Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we're uh, digging deep into why do you believe the things that you believe? What what happens when you, you come up to a series of facts? You just consume it, move on. You don't do anything with it. Those are things I believe. That is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and move on. <laughs> or or is, you eat it. Is, yeah. Is, is, well, you must have faith in order to eat that. The, the peanut butter, the jelly That's doesn't right. commingle bread, yeah. and just... Uh, come up with poison gas. No, no. Consistency. But why do you believe in consistency? Mm. How about Mm. the consistency of peanut butter? How does it not go from smooth to crunchy? These are the things. Or vice versa. These are the the, the answers to the questions that you come to expect on Cave of the Cross Apologetics, which we appreciate you watching. And we're in the midst of our book, uh, Against All Opposition, by Greg Bonson, uh, who's uh, uh, being helped along by American Vision with uh, Gary DeMar. That's right. The fine folks there, and um, uh, we're we we've kind of come to uh, the point where we're trying to figure out um, uh, what. So we've kind of established that everyone has faith in their system. Everyone has a worldview, a, a lens that they look through everything through, and when they come up to a series of facts, they filter it through the world the worldview. So that's how they take in the information. And this is stuff that uh, we've, we've talked about in, in previous other books, like um, um, uh, how to be an atheist and uh, why should I believe Christianity and uh, um, kind of a, a, slow, slow, a whole slew of other things. And yeah. so um, so we're, we're to, to chapter three now uh, where we talk about foundations of faith. Everyone has a faith, but what are the foundations for that? And so uh, what Bonson uh, does well is he's uh, slowly building into um, an understanding uh, while um, uh, firmly rooting it in, in scripture and in, in the foundation of, of the gospel mm. and, um, and saying everybody does this and this is how they should do it consistently. And uh, we, we are working through that. So uh, we're on chapter three now mm-hmm. called uh, the foundation of foundational faith. And uh, he talks about uh, how in previous chapters, we looked at the concept of faith. Christian faith we saw is not some kind of Mindless leap, some some blind leaping faith that we're always doing. We're just jumping around. We're <laughs> jumping Jack Flash. An emotional experience or delusional commitment contrary to good reason, contrary to facts, or contra- contrary to logic. And so we said that we need to understand that the definition of faith, of, of the Greek word pistis, is, is, is trust. And it's used consistently throughout Scripture uh, through uh, through the secular Greeks. Uh, it's, it's what we've come to know today. And we say we have confidence in, in something, confide, with faith. Um, uh, and it's only uh, th- that uh, kind of the religious connotation, uh, because we live in a Christian Western world, that, uh, that we've kind to, to, to come up uh, with faith as, as uh, being simpatico with, with uh, only Christianity or only religion in general. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we have to kind of get back to the roots and, and uh, uh, ad fontes, go, go back and um, um, establish what we mean by faith so that we can properly explain what we're talking about and show that everyone has confide with faith in, in um, the basics of their assumptions. Their basic assumptions, right. Right. Yeah. So, so as Christians, we don't turn off our brains when we start exercising our religious commitments or when we witness to people. We don't live in two worlds, the, the world of reason when we go to our school or work and the world of faith when we become religious on Sundays. In fact, that's what people accuse a lot of Christians of being as being hypocritical as uh, you're good on Sundays and then 
uh, you know, your uh, your your daily driver of living uh, uh, antithetically to that is uh, Monday through Saturday, and you need you need church to to, to, to clean that yeah, all to, up, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. cleanse, to cleanse. <laughs> but faith is not contrary to reason, and right. so uh, right. and so when we come up to things, we don't set aside Christianity, we don't set aside the Bible. Uh, why? Because the Bible says that Jesus is Lord of all. And we want to believe that. And we want to be honest with people and say, that's what we believe in all things. Right. When it comes to raising our children, we believe that Jesus is Lord of all. When it comes to uh, how one should uh, make war with somebody, Jesus is Lord of all. When it comes to being fair and having even scales, Jesus is Lord of all. And mm-hmm. so those things inform and should inform how we do it. If not, we are being hypocritical, which the Bible has a slew of things to say. And when we rely on that, we're saying Jesus is Lord of all of that as well. (laughs) So, so in this chapter, what he wants to do really is not, even though it's called foundational faith, he wants to talk about how uh, the relationship between faith and facts. And so that's what he really focuses in on here. He talks a lot about facts and that sort of thing. So the importance of facts is the next section that he gets into here. And he says, think of the faith known as evolution (laughs) from how the cosmos came into existence, how inorganic material became organic to the unguided incremental changes in species over time that become us and everything else. Right. And he says, you know, think about that. Right. He says, people have have um, hold tenaciously to the theory of evolution. And you're thinking, uh, isn't this theory walking around in its underwear or worse, right? The, the, the king has no clothes. Right. He says, you expect me to believe this? This is what we're thinking when we first hear that something came from nothing or life came from non-life or, you know, inorganic uh, caused, I mean, organic, you know, inorganic type of issues. Right. The, the princess kissing the frog. When when, when yeah. it happens in the fairy tales, it's it's a fairy tale. Uh, but when you throw in millions of years and millions of kisses, then one say, of those oh, times, yeah, the, that yeah. frog's going to turn into the prince. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so you expect me to believe this, he says. Uh, you want me to believe that inorganic material spontaneously became organic, that life came from non-life? I'm sorry, but if you want me to take that on faith, then you're really asking me to do uh, what you claim Christians do all the time, right? right? And so right. he's kind of chiding the evolutionists in this particular yeah. vein, right? Yeah, and and uh, I, I've uh, like mentioned this this uh, video, um, and so I had to uh, write it down as, and I've mentioned in other episodes before, but Stephen Myers, who's uh, written things like Signature of the Cell, and uh, he's very uh, uh, critical of of um, of evolution, Darwinian evolution. Um, he uh, would uh, get together with David Berlinski and David Berlinski is not at all a Christian. He's not a believer in God. He is just hip, uh, uh, hyper critical of uh, evolution and how it, it, it uh, falsifies science and, and, and doesn't uh, uh, get, get people where they need to go. And so he's very critical of that. Uh, they, um, they, they were in a talk with uh, David uh, Glertner uh, who I believe he was a computer pro, uh, modeler for, mm. for science. And, mm-hmm. and they had just a fascinating discussion on on uh, listening to all these things stack up against evolution and, and coming to see, well, you might not believe in, in, um, in creationism or, uh, 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 you know, divine guidance, uh, uh, intelligent design, uh, but we need to address uh, the, the um, issues that, 
uh, Darwinian evolution has. And so, again, when we come up to things with this historical understanding, which uh, both Christianity and and Darwinism presents uh, a, a historical uh, science model. So we're not we're not saying, oh, here's the petri dish, and we're we're you know uh, watching amoeba split by dropping more uh, water particles in it or, or whatever we do there. Uh, but we're talking about things that you have to just say, okay, over millions of years, and does the model come up with this? And then, uh, oh, all these behaviors happen because uh, there were uh, cougars in the in the in the high grass, and so uh, we like to be scared because as, as, uh, being scared was a survival mechanism, and so uh, that uh, that somehow ingrains itself into the DNA because only that DNA survived and has this this um, um, uh, DNA memory that uh, some, somehow uh, goes with the entirety of the species and survives. Well, all these things seem to have issues, and and this uh, video offers a kind of a good glance of. Uh, watching people take these facts and then change their worldview. And what Bonson is going to say here is it's very hard for people to do that. In fact, why don't we see a collection of facts overturning at some point? It, it right. seems like people are holding on to these worldviews, um, these uh, presuppositions, these, these well, ways of viewing the world. And, yeah. and they don't, even though there may be facts contrary to that, they don't want to let right. go of how they and, view and, it. And, and, and that's perfect for showing why is that hard? because that's your base assumption of, of how you approach things. And so, of course, that's going to be the hardest thing to do. In yeah. fact, it might take a supernatural uh, <laughs> deity to overturn that and change it uh, 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 opposite of even what we may want. Yeah, so. you might have to be you know, born again. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we are uh, not only have to understand what faith really is, and who really exercise mindless faith, but we also must understand something about facts, and that's what we want to talk about now. Uh, we shouldn't pit facts against philosophy as if philosophy says that facts aren't important. The facts are important. Mm -hmm. We must study the facts, but we also must not be misled. We must understand the real place facts have in the makeup of a worldview. Right, and so he tells us to think of the place facts have when it comes to theorizing about the origin of the universe or the origin of life or the origin of man himself. Have the facts or the lack thereof stopped evolutionists from promoting their point of view? And he says, no, right? First of all, we've never seen those things happen. We've never seen the origin of our universe. We haven't seen that, right? <laughs> right. We've never seen the something that goes from, you know, non-life to life. We've never seen that. Right. And so, you know, that doesn't keep people from believing, well, but that happens, you know, right. or that can happen or that did happen. When, right? when, when we read Mitch Stokes's uh, How to Be an Atheist, he talked about how the, the fact that scientists needed to come up with uh, the the, the uh, multiverse theory because in this universe all you have is trillions of, of atoms and trillions of stars and uh, 10 to the uh, 52nd place of, of, of possible chances and that's not enough so if we invent just infinity more that's worlds right. trillions then, and trillions of then, more universes yeah, then yeah. this is the one that evolution takes place and creates life in this way because it failed in all those other universes. You have to make the 10 to the 5 millionth power and, and expand it and say all these different little permutations happen within these, which uh, um, uh, I believe it's Sabrina Hoffman did uh, Lost in the Math, says this is ridiculous. And she, <laughs> she's a, you know, a German atheist through and through, and she's like, why, why are you expecting to find 
beauty and truth and, and this thing, aren't we scientists? And it's a, a fabulous book from, from the opposite point of view. And um, uh, she's liked my little review of, of her book that I probably didn't understand at all what she was talking about <laughs> remotely, but I understood that, that fact. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to that book as well. Cause uh, it, it was well done from an, an, uh, an atheist point of view, a, a, a scientist who says, okay, um, you know, we, we put too much uh, fluff in in string theory to save all these things. And multiverse is one of those things that we do because it makes our math doable then. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then we're just over infinity or infinity over, you know, one, which is way easier than one over infinity. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we, we do care about, about the facts. But... The facts are often in dispute. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Alternate facts, all, all those things. <laughs> we, we, we laugh at it, but then, you know, our, our, our political culture is filled with, these are my facts, these are your facts. So, so, so what, yeah. what, what are facts? Yeah, so next what he does here is kind of says, okay, let's look at some alternative uh, explanations. Right? right, right. So it takes about a thousand years to produce one inch of topsoil by the forces of erosion, such as wind and rain, and you take your little one to, to so the beach a thousand years to produce about that much of topsoil, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, okay. Oh, where does sand come from? Well, yeah. sand comes from the rocks. Well, where do the rocks come from? Well, it rains on them. And, uh, then there are layers, but they're spread out and they're pretty even. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where these things come from, but I don't know where we started with, but once they break down sand, there we go. Yeah, that's right. Sand <laughs> so, all the way down. Right. <laughs> so we, we, we have this topsoil. Now, if the earth is billions of years old and by the process which topsoil is created, has been functioning all time in the, the, the giant uh, cataclysmic events of, of earth history over millions of billions of years, there should be a thick layer of topsoil on the earth's crust. In fact, uh, landing on the moon the not even the scientists knew concretely that um, you know they had land probes there and but they didn't know well you know the moon's been there for millions billions of years it could the, the lunar module could just sink into dust we yeah. don't we don't really know the astronauts could sink into <laughs> right. dust yeah. yeah stop jumping around up there yeah. but however the average depth of topsoil around the world is a six to nine inches. How can that be if the earth has been here for billions of years? Wow. So, so think about that. So that's right? just one so, fact. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's the fact. The fact is the average, you know, amount of topsoil around the earth is six to nine inches. And yet the claim is the earth has been here for billions and billions of years and it takes a thousand years just to make one inch. So we would think if billions of years it's been around, we should be drowning in topsoil. Right. And yet we're not. Right. And so he says, now, you know, do you think at this point that the scientists would say, oh, oh, conflicting evidence, right? Little topsoil. I must give up my theory. Forget evolution, right? No, that's not what he says the scientist does. He very calmly comes up with what we could call and what Bonson calls a rescuing device, Mm -hmm. right? He wants to rescue his theory, and so he comes up with a device for dealing with a fact that seems contrary to his theory. Right, Right. and uh, um, Alvin Plantica, in his very short uh, but uh, very uh, uh, dumbed-down, my my version of his book that uh, I couldn't pick up, uh, the first one, but Knowledge and Christian Belief, he talks about this, of... Uh, and he, he, of course, comes from a little different perspective from us. But he says, you know, you you have these defeaters uh, that that 
you could have a million of them and still not defeat your underlying premise. Well, uh, I, I know for certain that your wife was cheating on you last night. I saw her at the gas station. Well, okay, but she was in bed with me the whole night. She, she didn't move. I, I was up. I was reading. Uh, there's no, nope, I saw her at the gas station. And here's video of her. So video evidence. We have video evidence of her <laughs> being in the gas station showing that she's on her way to meet her mysterious lover. Well, unless if she's a clone, I, so here are the defeaters and, and, and there are different weights to uh, different ones. And so, uh, at some point you have to say, well, okay, maybe I was dreaming that she was next to me and, uh, all these things kind of amass. And then your, uh, in, initial idea is defeated. And so he, he takes it from a, um, a, uh, 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 kind of a, um, different variables, uh, uh, kind of a math uh, uh, approach and say, if you have so many of these, at some point it's going to topple over. But um, the, the book does a, a pretty decent job, still a little heady, but I, I was able to get through it in probably a month. Uh, <laughs> you fly through it in a week, it'll be fine. Uh, so uh, Knowledge and Christian Belief is where he talks about this from kind of the opposite perspective and saying, here are the, some defeaters that come up at some point, and Mitch Stokes talks about this as well, is scientists really love to hold onto their theories because they name it after themselves. They get grant money and they get Nobel Prizes for it that end up overturning <laughs> later. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, so they come up with these... Planeta calls them defeaters. He calls them rescuing devices. These are things that are, you know, uh, devices to deal with facts that seem to be contrary to their theory. Uh, and so, you know, he says the, um, the scientists will say something like this. Well, you know, with regard to the topsoil, all that topsoil that you're talking about is washed into the ocean. So there, that's where it is. So there, it's not, you know, thousands and thousands of feet high, high and we're not drowning in it. It's just washed into the ocean. Mm -hmm. Of course, that gives you a problem with all that topsoil beating in the ocean. But, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and and atheists do it for Christians on, on the other one. And and so, okay, here are a collection of facts. And so everyone's theory should be defeated in the end, and everyone should kind of come up with the banal uh, of, of agreement of every single fact known possible. And uh, when it comes to political strife, uh, the argument is between raising taxes 23.5% or 23.7%. But, we're, we're, you know, that, that's, that's where a debate can take place. But we just can't say, well, taxation is theft and no raising of taxes at all. And so, you know, and so really what he's getting at here is uh, with regard to facts, we can, even if we have facts that are contrary to what we believe, uh, if we haven't gotten to the basic presuppositional beliefs, then facts can be dismissed or we can have rescuing devices that try to explain away the facts. And so facts you know, aren't what we think they are, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, that's what he says next here. Right? right, right. So facts don't usually resolve conflicts. Right. Uh, the reason we have debates and you don't see either side of the debate go, well, you argued it better than I did and uh, you've come out the winner or you've persuaded more people in the online poll and therefore you, you've won. Well, no, it's just, oh, uh, the audience didn't understand or uh, I had a cold that day and um, that person just orotated uh, better than I did. Uh, or or uh, no, you just didn't understand and we were talking past each other, which all, all that may be true as well. And so those those factors have to be played in when you're um, consuming things like debates and debates aren't, you know, the, it's it's a good meeting of ideas because 
of what the Bible says of, of, uh, you know, uh, ha- having one theory seems right, but then you examine the other and then you um, kind of figure out <laughs> where you're at your from there. Again. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the point. When we bring out these scientific facts, do people say, that's it. There goes my theory. I've got to give it up. No rescuing device. No nothing. You've, you've slayed me with uh, topsoil. That's right. No. Instead, the topsoil objection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one that's brought down, it, 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 it plants ideas in people's minds. No. It the sinks I- their theory. <laughs> no, the idea, they move from one rescuing device to another. The facts do not determine what people believe. That is not a very flattering thing to say. and It may require revising your view of human nature he says he's convinced that it's true. Yeah, that is true that facts do not determine what people believe, which is quite unflattering and actually amazing, right? Yeah. But he's, he's, that's the case he's it, trying to make here. It's, it's, it's why we love Spock. It's, <laughs> you know, Spock is logical. He, he, t- he takes it in. He goes, mm, this is the most uh, um, uh, logical way. Uh, burn all the rocket fuel because this last-ditch effort is the best solution that we have at this point in time. Or we can survive for 30 more minutes. And so he does the most illogical thing, which is the logical thing. And you're supposed to be impressed by it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and you just realize that you're not Spock. You never could be Spock. In fact, uh, the, the emotional aspect that you lose because of Spock. That's why Spock works so well, because he's half human, half Vulcan. Um, uh, but there's my Star Trek rent <laughs> for the for the episode. And, and so uh, and so he says that changing worldviews does not happen easily, right? Even when you present facts, he says. When uh, so when the facts do resolve conflicts, he says you'll notice that the conflict is always, you know, a small or limited controversy that doesn't have a lot of implications <laughs> right. and doesn't really require that people change their lives or their way of seeing things, right? And he gives this illustration. You and I may have a disagreement about how much it costs to get a Whopper at the local Burger King. But we could walk down to Burger King and look at the sign and see what it costs. And then, of course, you'd see that, you know, I was right all the time. Right. right. So there. Now, facts have shown, you know, who was right in that situation. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> we're all eating bugs at the end anyway, so it's, it's fine. But what if we're talking about the nature of life itself? Also, not a burger. Not the price not of the, the, the Whopper. price of a Whopper. He, there you can have it your way. But the <laughs> very fact of the nature of life, yeah. unfortunately, I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> but what about whether we're going to answer to a holy God someday? Mm. There might be some people that come in conflict with that. Uh, what about uh, whether this universe is eternal or was created by God? What if the, 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 the deity of Christ is brought up? about whether homosexuality is an alternative lifestyle. What if communism is the, the proper means of, of carrying out the, yeah. of government economics. and economics? Yeah. People have been fighting about this, and the facts don't seem to, to, to be the case, even taking people to a grocery store and letting them look <laughs> upon the majesty of, of capitalism. That's right. <laughs> Things like that aren't like the price of a Whopper at Burger King. There are high levels of emotional stake here because, depending on answers, people will have to change their lives and maybe their professions. They're going to have to see the world differently. Right. And you could say it's easier these days to do so because of the transition that you can make from from people groups and you can hook up with different people. You're not just surrounded by you know, the six neighbors or or. Uh, the country club that you're a part of. And so um, uh, seeing big cultural changes, even back in the day, things like abolitionism 
I mean, th- th- that was dangerous. You're, you're talking about upsetting the way of human civilization for forever. I mean, there's always been slavery. And so to, to come out and say, uh, no, it is wrong uh, for man to own another man. And it says so here in the Bible, uh, we should live, uh, live it right. Christian, you get hung in, in, you know, in the street and, and, yeah. and you're, you're, you're coming to face that. But at the same time, people are less likely today to probably change their mind because everything has become so embattled in a, a, a basic understanding of, uh, politics as my uh, uh, initial starting point for worldview because no one's talking about, well, you know, when does life begin? It doesn't matter. It, doesn't, it matters only my happiness. And so we can't even, we can't even approach uh, the, the, the basics of, of what a worldview used to be. And so people are entrenched in making sure that they can do what they want. Right. right. And so when it comes to these large things, right, about uh, you know, how do we answer a holy God and is the universe eternal? Was it created by God and that sort of thing? He says, when it comes to those sorts of things, the facts don't always move people. And he says, you know, you might think that they should. The facts should move people, right? Okay. They, and he says, yeah, he agrees they should. But in the real world, they don't. And so the question is, why can't the facts move people with regard to these types of issues as opposed to the price of a Whopper burger? Right. <laughs> uh, and, and his answer is because the facts don't speak for themselves, right? right? The way in which you see the facts. In fact, what you take to be a fact, he says, is determined by your underlying assumptions. You will never become a good debater, he tells us, if you don't realize that, right? That there's some underlying assumptions that affects how we view and take the facts. People, he says, are not swayed by the facts, though their initial assumptions or their changed minds can be reinforced by the facts. He says, you put a fact on the table and it doesn't change underlying, and here's the issue, philosophical commitments, Mm -hmm. right? Facts don't change underlying philosophical commitments. Yeah. Yeah. So you come up with a rescuing advice or, or, or you dismiss it, you throw it over your shoulder and say, hey, you know, I'll deal with that later. Or we'll come up with something that will explain that later. Uh, but, you know, you ha- the fact doesn't necessarily get with that underlying philosophical commitment. Yeah. I think a good example that he uses in here is uh, by, by uh, using kind of Oliver Stone's movie JFK mm. and being kind of a, a cultural touchstone of uh, um, being a, a really good a launching point for people to question, well, who killed JFK? Well, the underlying assumption has always been, oh, the government's there to kind of protect us and we, we do what's right. It's the, that, you know, post, uh, post-World post War II into the Cold War and you're trusting your government and then you find out things like Iran-Contra, you find things like Bay of Pigs and you go, can you really trust the government? And then that, that underlying worldview shift may allow you to go, Oh yeah, why why was this able to happen? What about all these things? What about these mysterious, you know, second shots or from the grassy knoll and 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 stuff like that? And so the Oliver Stone movie kind of um, presented it in a way that was digestible to people to kind of question it um, from a from a standpoint from a, um, a cultural standpoint to now where seventy percent of people believe that. Uh, at the very least, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was not the only person uh, uh, invested in the assassination attempt. And so those underlying assumptions have to be moved first before you just get, well, there's a puff of smoke behind this this fence post and there's a Bruder film was accidentally played backwards uh, (laughs) for a number of years, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I I thought that was a good good example that we can kind of uh, focus on. 
But miracles don't always change people's minds. Say what? So, so we can see facts, but miracles won't change people's minds? Yes. Which, uh, in atheist debates, you may have seen people that, that, that want to say, oh, you know, I, I don't know what would change my mind, but an all-knowing God would change my mind. Okay, what if we rearrange the stars to say, uh, you, uh, a person by name, uh, it's me, God, believe in me. Well, I could be delusional. I could, right. I uh, it could be aliens. It happened it's, by it's, chance. It's a trick. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm only seeing what you're forcing me to see. Right. All these things. Yeah. But what about miracles? Miracles can change people's minds, don't they? Right? If you see something strange, you see a floating man, and you're like, oh, floating men can exist. Yeah. Or you go, oh, this is a trick of light. This is not really what it seems. It's a drone that only looks like a man. All these things can, can come to it. So consider the book of Exodus. God did a series of miracles in Egypt. He sent plagues to the Egyptians. The early plagues were well-placed philosophical attacks upon the Egyptian gods and the way they looked at life. Did the facts, even the miraculous facts, change the worldview of the Egyptians? That's the whole story. No. Did it change hearts? No. Did it change their way of doing things and their way of thinking? Not at all. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, he says... uh, Again, you can come to a re- you can use a rescuing device, right? Strange things happen in the universe, right? We, we can change things into snakes. We <laughs> can turn right. water into blood. Right. This is just uh, tr- tricking. Not that we trick, but Moses definitely tricking that's us. That's right. And so he says, let's imagine that, you know, he's talking to a naturalist. That's a person that says that nature is all there is, the physical world. Uh, the physicist who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in miracles. I start hammering, he tells us, at him with evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is considerable historical evidence for it. It's very comforting. Uh, you know, it reaffirms the faith. He's glad that the evidence is there. But I keep throwing these uh, facts at this naturalist asking him, so what do you do with that, right? After fact, after fact, after fact. Finally, the naturalist says, he tells us, okay, okay, I don't know what to make of it. Historically, it does look as if, you know, you've got to grant that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, came back to life. And now you breathe a sigh of relief and say, I guess I got that yeah, one, Yeah, right? he's a believer. Minimal facts worked and, <laughs> and everything's uh, really good. But what he says next is that, well, strange things happen in the universe. Eh, stuff happens. That's right. Okay. <laughs> One of these days, we'll be able to explain it. We just go. have to, you know, it's the God of the gaps in, in the other way. We, we just have to exist long enough where we go, oh, we've got it figured out. This is how, uh, uh, you know, Jesus' body just, it, it, it sank into the stone because the earth is really uh, 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 porous there. And what looked like he <laughs> disappeared, he did disappear. And then someone came about and said, Oh, I, I know what to do. I've heard of all Jesus' teachings, so I'm going to pretend to be Jesus and, and be super important uh, to the disciples. Someday we'll be able to Here we go. Him. Yeah. So he thwacks at him again and again, but he did not change his underlying philosophy. Every time he got one of those facts, he just threw it over his shoulder into what was for him a bottomless pit of facts that don't fit his presupposition. And so the point, again, is that he's trying to make, and he's hammering this home, is that facts really don't do it, right? We have to get at the underlying presuppositions. He says most people will not get as far as they admit, okay, yeah, that's right. right. He says, uh, you know, if you just throw facts at him, most people will not even accept that a fact is a fact. Uh, you know, the philosopher says, no, I, that can't be. That doesn't fit in my worldview, so it can't be a fact. There are still and, people that believe Jesus didn't exist. That's right. And so <laughs> they'll kind of bat it down. So, you know, even when you throw the best evidence, he tells us, that you've got for the resurrection of Jesus at them, they can take it and say, 
Big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The reason for that is they haven't changed their philosophy. Their worldview stands and it comes into conflict. And so they dismiss it or say it's not possible or my worldview can explain why uh, you're able to accept this. Right. They haven't changed their mental outlook or to put it in fancier terms, they haven't changed their presuppositions. Right. right. The things that they bring to the table that they look at the world through. They see the world in a particular way and all you've given them is more grist for their mill to interpret the world in that way. You throw miracles at them and they try to give you a naturalistic explanation of the miracles. Right. And that's what people try and do with um, uh, the Jesus seminar or, or, or people that want to give so much away and say, okay, well, you know, some things in the Bible are changed. We'll, we'll admit that. Uh, but, uh, uh, for the Red Sea, uh, the, the strong wind prevails a lot and they it pushes up the <laughs> silt and it creates a, a walking path sometimes. We know this historically. And so that's what happened at that's this right. time. And so they're just, they're just, uh, uh, attributing to God uh, what, what's happening naturally. Will you believe then? And you might get them to say, okay, I might believe that happened. But what what is our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is to say, uh, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If some silt moves. That's, <laughs> yeah. there, there, we need a, an overhaul of mind, soul, body, spirit. That's right. So you throw miracles at them and they try to, you know, they give you a natural explanation and you, and you might think, well, uh, but they shouldn't do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, you've, you know, you've just given them uh, the, the evidence, the facts, right? He says, but when people will not accept the evidence for what you say, it is even when you're right. And even, uh, you know, when they will not accept that evidence as proving what you think it proves, he says that they're well within their intellectual rights not to accept it, which is surprising, yeah. right? Why? He says, I'm not saying that they are within their spiritual rights, nor am, is he saying that they are within, uh, that they're right, period, right. right? He's saying that they are within their intellectual rights, and here's the key given their naturalistic assumptions mm-hmm. so based on their assumptions they shouldn't accept what you have to say right right, right. Uh, um, and so this fits well with what we're told in the bible romans 1 it's what we're told to expect uh, by preaching the gospel it's uh, uh what we've come to expect again with all of all these are presuppositions of of what we claim to hold on to which is the bible is the foundation for uh, uh truth and life and and we expect God to uh, monergistically have the, the the free reign to choose who will come to him, and he does this by a supernatural means. And so this is what we come to expect, and we preach the gospel because it's the only way by which um, um, man comes to, to saving right. faith. Right. And so you have to get at the presuppositions, their worldviews, and, and what he's arguing here is that facts really don't do right. that. And so we we can hold the facts. We can uh, and we should know facts. the facts. And and it's what we're told to do for yeah. anyone that comes. Uh, you you uh, be ready to give uh, the the reasons for why you have, and mm-hmm. those include facts. Uh, Paul tells to go to the the twelve, the fifty, the ninety, the five hundred. Uh, these men saw the resurrected Jesus. It wasn't oh uh, you know. Uh, it wasn't solely based on, uh, you know, Jesus is the foundation for all, all knowledge. And so th- that's the, the only place you can go. 
No, go to the minimal facts. Go to the maximal facts. Uh, talk about the inner workings of Scripture. Show that the fulfillment of prophecy uh, occurs from from Jesus. That's that's uh, be back. He 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 talks to the Bereans and says, "You've you've done good. This is exactly what you're supposed to do." Right. So all these things can help to it, but we have to understand our our ultimate basis for um, what will ultimately change pre- people's presuppositions and. With, within the non-spiritual realm of things, we, we can do that as well, but we have to understand there are, there are things that people come about. If, if you want to just only believe in intelligent design and you come up to an evolutionist, there's going to be clash until you get like a Berlinski who says, you know, I've, I, I'm looking at it through a naturalistic uh, worldview and, and these things coming up as, yeah. as bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so even when we're not talking about the, the basics of fact, uh, this is still good for when we talk to people about um, abortion or when we talk about uh, economic uh, uh, stability. Uh, ultimately, as Christians, we want to say Jesus is Lord of all that, and so we would always tie it back to, to that as well. But if we're if we're going to, to base assumptions here, just throwing at people, well, the, the, the fetus is uh, conceived at, at conception. It's uh, uh, opposite DNA. Well, that doesn't seem to do much all the time. We, we have to understand of, of where they're coming from. And ultimately, we would argue that it's a, a spiritual heart uh, movement that needs to happen there. But there, there are atheists who also believe in uh, pro-life. So there's that. <laughs> but as Christians, we believe, and I'm sure that we are right, because why wouldn't you <laughs> believe that you're right, that people must work overtime to miss the significance of, of the facts and what they tell us about God and about truth of the Bible. They must work very hard. And this is what the Bible tells us. And we as believers in the way, in the book, in the words of Jesus, this is what we would come to to believe. Romans chapter 1 says that they have to suppress the truth and unrighteousness in order to say that they don't believe it. And so atheists will come up and say, oh, but you just believe that we're we're faking our unbelief. Well, first of all, that's a misreading of Romans 1. But when we ex- properly explain what we mean by Romans one, we would say, yes, we believe what the Bible says <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> but within their philosophical systems, they are intellectually within their rights to treat the facts you present them in the way that they do. And so don't be surprised about this. And All so right. what's, what's going to happen. We need to do something more than present the facts. We need to go after the philosophy by which people accept and interpret facts. And so that's what he wants us to see, right? right. It's more than just facts. It's the underlying philosophical commitments that people have mm-hmm. that we must, you know, go after, right? right? Those presuppositions, those assumptions that they have about the way the world is, their worldview, that's what we have to deal with is what he's trying to get mm-hmm. us. And not just pour facts on people because uh, they can deal with the facts within their worldview. They'll either dismiss them or have a rescuing device or some way to deal with all the facts that we think are really important and that show the case, and they do, mm-hmm. but they dismiss them or, you know, uh, give us rescuing devices because uh, based on their worldview right. and how they how they have uh, their presuppositions. Right. And g- going back to, uh, you know, how many facts do you need to convince your wife is cheating on you? Uh, there's so many rescuing devices that they, there are so many defeaters that could topple somebody's worldview over and they say, okay, I don't believe in... <laughs> Uh, punctured equal, uh, e- uh, equilibrium anymore. So uh, life didn't arise by uh, lizards giving birth to birds all, all of a sudden. It just didn't all happen. And so I'm changing my mind. But when we talk about the basic level of, of things like uh, who are we, what's life's purpose, all, all these things, as Christians, 
uh, we can present facts and people can have changed hearts from there, but it's always grounded in our assumptions of what the Bible says is that presenting these facts as truth, because all things are God's truth, we are presenting the gospel and God is using our words uh, as, as his, uh, his message. And I always talk about the, the, the light source and the light bulb and where the conduit that, that it runs through. And so we're presenting facts, we're presenting worldview, we're presenting philosophy, and we're presenting ultimately the gospel message, which is the only means by which people can be saved. And we should believe that because that's what we claim to believe. And so uh, presuppositionalism, uh, uh, while people might find it goofy or not true or just the, the lamest thing possible, um, this is working under the guise of the biblical worldview. And this is the, the, the first expression that we, um, we are acting out in our faith, which is to say all facts are God's facts. And uh, we don't let anyone uh, say Christ is not king over uh, photosynthesis. Uh, he's, he's Lord of all. And so that's, right. that, that's what we're doing. All right. Uh, so th- the next chapter is how should a Christian reason then? Right. And so uh, we're continuing so if, to build yeah, so our If facts our doesn't do, don't do it, then right. what does do it? <laughs> what how, are we doing here? Yeah. How do yeah. we reason about, you know, the, the things? Right. right. So we'll so, take a look at that next. Yep. So that's uh, going to be chapter four. And uh, we thank you for joining us and checking out uh, our short clips and everything like that. And hopefully the, their help and heard from people who are reading some of our past books and going through and, uh, uh, being helpful with those. So we always appreciate those. And uh, we, um, just uh, drop us a line. Uh, you know, at this point, sh- saying share, like, and subscribe, you probably heard from everyone, but it does help. Uh, let's defeat the evils of YouTube algorithms or, uh, you know, uh, listening on. on or uh, use uh, the evils uh, of, yeah, of yeah. YouTube algorithms. <laughs> we're, we're taking the paganism and, and we're using it for our own purposes. That's right. What it meant to be evil will mean for good. <laughs> right. 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 So we just have fun. Uh, doing this and hopefully you have uh, fun along with us and we'd be doing it anyways. We're just sticking a camera in front of our (laughs) face. So uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you next time.